general nerdery. So in the spirit of this show, this episode is going to be chaotic as all hell, but not as chaotic as it could be when you attempt to explain it to somebody. Maybe. Now that I say that out loud, well, we're screwed. Real quick, welcome to General Nerdery, where your journalist is nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. That's our podcast about liking things. Back with us again today is Stephen. Hi, I'm Stephen. Stephen, yep. I, I, um, I waved for the first time on this on this podcast, but you have been on this podcast so many times. Um, Tiffany was supposed to be with us, as we mentioned last week, but the lovely soul messaged us and was like, "I just got off of the airplane. I'm so tired." I don't think I can do this. Will you forgive me? And we're like, of course, I wouldn't even, this is my podcast and I wouldn't try to be on like immediately after an airplane ride. Um, right. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. <clears throat> totally understandable. Totally, totally forget Tiffany. You're a- But this does mean because we were trying to prep for someone from Utah being on with us that we are recording at a different time. We are recording over Zoom, which we have not done since like early days of the pandemic, I don't think. And we're recording on the 4th of July. So you so, might hear fireworks. Who knows? It might be early enough in the day, might not. Uh, also, it's my house and we're, we're exiting the horny bird season, but I still have a bunch of peacocks. So it's entirely possible. They're just going to start shrieking. Oh yeah, I, my neighbors have been loving setting off fireworks lately. So I don't know <laughs> when it's going to start, but it might just like 50 foot from my window so (laughs) yeah uh, chaos this is the first fourth of july that i am not working the next morning at six or seven in the morning in probably five years dang so um I mean, I'm still, I'm not a huge fireworks guy, but this is the first one where I'm not going to be like actively angry at them the whole time. Right. Um, Oh, and to add to the chaos and to me hating myself later when I'm editing this podcast, (laughs) I am definitely going to be eating on this show. So we all made the uh, apple risotto, but Stephen and I did it a couple of days ago and Tyler did it now, which, how is it? Okay, first off, it's good, but I've also been making this for the past three days. Oh, oh this is, shit. This okay. is my third iteration. I wanted to not share it until I had it a little bit more down, especially because my first one was a fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was good, but also bad. Well, not bad, but I fucked it up. Um, I let's, misread. Let's do this before you're ingesting. Yeah, we'll talk so, yeah, about I our guess food. It's a very literal ingesting. <laughs> we all literally ingested this apple risotto in three different contexts. So mine turned out pretty well, except I apparently undercooked the rice, and I must have really undercooked the rice because it's the like only critique I got from both people. Because I shared it with CC and I shared it with Grizz. And I was like, what do you think? And both of them, very first thing, rice wasn't done. Um I have never made risotto before, so that was a learning experience. And I don't use rice that often. Like, if I'm doing starches, I'm more likely to go with, like, noodles or something like that. I used pork belly instead of bacon, which Tiffany did let me know is much more accurate to, like, Japanese cooking or what Japanese people think of as bacon. Don't know if that's 100% true, but she told it to me, and I believe her. Uh, And I tried that, too, and it was great. Oh, it was fucking great. Amazing how much the black pepper affects the taste of the dish. Awesome. Stephen, I want to hear about yours now. 
<laughs> I fucked it up. I'll, I'll go. I'll go last. <laughs> Mine was good, but it was very, very saccharine. Um, I misread the um, misread the recipe. Uh, uh, that was uh, a photo of in a messenger app of a uh, of a page of a manga. Um, and instead of re- adding um, uh, granulated consomme, I added granulated sugar. Um, oh, in fairness, you did not misread that. You thought consomme was sugar. I misread it. I misunderstood it. Both tomatoes and tomato, I fucked up. Because you definitely told me, you're like, I don't think I'm going to add the extra sugar this time. And I'm like, what? Ex- why? Why did you do this? I definitely thought I was supposed to add sugar when I read it. So, what kind of apple uh, did you use? I got some at work. I can't remember, but that was another thing is like, I. I, there was a couple of changes I wanted to make. I wanted to go for a tartar apple than I went. I think I went for like a Fuji or... I, I did a if, Pink Lady from the store. Uh, that's I what I did. I did a Pink Lady. Granny Smith. Exactly. I want to do like a Granny Smith or something tart or more apple pie centric like that. And then I would love to try adding maybe allspice or just like a touch of cinnamon as well. Um, I ate it for breakfast. I made it for my partner. Um, I did also get some uh, pork belly from our work um, and I cut it up nice and thick. And I think I might be throwing that in my rotation over bacon for cooking at home in general, because I prefer it. I think Mm -hmm. I like how less salty it is. Nice. Um, And you did eggs or something. You showed me a picture. Yeah. I, um, uh, uh, yeah, I also made a Japanese style omelet. I bought a pan at a thrift store like over a year. It must've been over two years ago because it was probably pre-pandemic. I haven't really been out and about and uh, finally found a good reason to use it because I was making this for breakfast and I wanted to include it. And I really liked the inclusion of egg. It added a nice little fluffy texture. What is the difference between a Japanese omelet and like a, you know... Omelet, omelet? I say normal omelet, but that's like... Um, Like the omelet we grew up with because we're not in Japan. Exactly. so, well, basically there's like three kind of general styles. Well, there's probably more, but uh, I'll, I'll just talk about the three that I know of offhand. There's like the traditional French style omelets, which is a done in a, pan, a round pan. And it is usually stuffed with fresh herbs and maybe some greens, very light, usually butter, spices, not, not much, not much more than that, very light. And it's um, usually never cheese as far as i know but sometimes but if you're doing cheese you're just doing a little bit and no other things and then you have an american style omelet oh well a french style omelet is basically like you pour it over a pan and then basically like folded it into thirds kind of just like so it's like a hot dog style fold almost um and then an american style omelet is basically the same concept where you pour your egg down um, and then you will fill it up with a lot more ingredients, traditionally like a Denver omelet, which has like meats, veggies, a bunch of other things, cheeses. And then it's just folded in half, kind of like a quesadilla almost. Yeah. And when um, I make there's about a 60% chance I'm going to fuck them up and we end up with some just super bomb ass scrambled eggs instead. Exactly. Which is why I tend to make them more often than not, because I fuck up French omelets too. Uh, but a Japanese style omelet usually has a square pan instead of a, a round pan. And it typically will have a little bit of soy sauce and uh, sometimes dashi, which is a, um, a fish-based stock or, well, not really, not necessarily fish-based, it's a more seafood-centric stock, um, usually made from kombu. 
um, but also uh, dashi flakes, which is a flaked fish, and then mirin. Um, and so scrambled eggs like that, and then you pour it into a square pan, um, and then you're basically, you have a very thin layer of it, and then you roll that up in the pan. You can either do it lengthwise or uh, widthwise, and then you pour down another layer, layer layer of it, and then as that congeals, you keep continue rolling it over until you have a little log and then you slice it off. Hmm. Interesting. And you get kind of like a pinwheel effect, but it's usually square. Okay. It looked delicious. I want to uh, try it. Yeah. I should make you some. They're great. Okay. I'll make a bento <laughs> box. Ooh, I since this is actually box. my third iteration we'll start with number one number one i tried too much because i knew from the get-go that i didn't want to just make the recipe mm-hmm. I, uh, um i immediately it's knew i was simple. wanting to yeah switch something up the easiest first thing to switch up was i don't dislike it but even if it's just being used like in in this instance to deglaze i don't like cooking with wine i, I just tried a bit of this so this was Interesting. And see, I've done risotto a couple times, so it's just what I've done for risotto. So Um, I wanted, I don't know, I wanted something else. So I decided I wanted to try different uh, citrus juices in that place instead. Ooh, yeah. So the first one I tried was, the first one I just went all out on the spices. Instead of using uh, apple juice, I used spice cider. Um, I used orange juice to deglaze and then still finished it with the lime. It was too much. And my risotto itself turned out just fucking horrendous. My my rice grains were just extremely exploded. It was like rice oatmeal. It was not good. Oh, yeah. Um, What kind of rice did you use out of Curious? curious. uh, Arborio. What happened? So here's the other thing. I also, um, I made mine. I did all instant pot. Because I didn't want to actually fuck around with the risotto that much. The biggest problem was I accidentally, that first time, I switched the the presser, pressure release to the wrong spot. And then I, I sat there for like 10 minutes, like wondering why it wasn't coming to pressure. And then I realized it was venting the entire time. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I just like sat there and cooked it for like 10 minutes without. And then I still had it anyway. Not good. These last two have been a lot better. Got rid of the orange juice just use apple juice. Um, I still, without the orange, instead of the orange juice, I went to a lime juice. And I just, Ooh. so I deglazed with lime and then also finished with lime. I could see that. I inverted uh, sort of the concept of the recipe where he had the apple chunks in it and the whole thing was they were still crispy, even though like the flavor was through it because of the juice. Um, I put the bacon in it because every time I had bacon in a bite, it was better than a bite without that's Ooh, very excellent point i wanted to chop up my uh my pork belly and stir it all in yeah so i used a i used pepper bacon so the pepper was automatically in there um along with the butter i sauteed it with a little bit of the bacon fat in there too or the bacon grease threw some bacon actually in there and then instead of having the apple in there i soaked some apple with some lime for half of the day and then grilled some slices that i'm just half on the side oh fuck yeah Yeah. interesting um and i did test it out on my partner last night and she loved it so 
I, I know you guys can't try it. Oh, and uh, also with the finish, with the lime, I also used uh, Parmesan and uh, crema, like Mexican table oh, cream. Yeah. Nice. The Parmesan was a nice touch, too. I'm really glad that that was in there. Also, even though it went bad the first time, if it helps, Soma would be proud of you. Like, <laughs> you'd be all about that. Also mixed in, like, my last packet of Sazon. So there's, like some cumin in there some annatto which is why it's a little bit deeper red than your guys's was and uh i think some garlic and cilantro dried cilantro as well mm. sounds very yeah, a tasty little, a little bit of green because i didn't do like parsley which i saw in some versions would probably help but uh, i mean admittedly most of my cooking is throw things in pan fry put cheese on top it's delicious now yeah, same here. Or burgers. I, I make a mean burger. In I know what my style of cooking is. Bachelor who learned how to do it because no one else was any good at it. Um, <laughs> it's mine. Uh, outside of cooking, any anything we adjusted pretty fun? Uh, more Elden Ring. Weird, but that sounds, but, so, uh, more Elden Oh, fucking, of course. How many hours have you put into that game at that point? I don't know. Actually, like, not that much lately because, like, things don't change position. So once you have places and things memorized, you're good to go. So, like, I've been fucking around on different characters and I can just go run and get all the things I need for them and have, like, kind of my build completely in place by, like, hour six or seven. Oh, that's cool. You know, the better part of a full work day done and then I'm all set up. <laughs> yeah. That's not too bad in the grand scheme of some video games. It's true. Uh, I re-listened to the entire World War Z audiobook just because, and it's still <laughs> it's amazing. Really oh, who, who narrates that? A lot of fucking people. Everybody. Oh, well, that, that actually makes sense. It's been a minute since I've read it. I've never listened to the audiobook. Um, Alan Alda is one of the people. Mark Hamill. Nathan Fillion. A bunch of others. Cal Penn. Simon Pegg. Our episode we did on it. There's a whole I, we listed off all of them. I I'm a listener. I've definitely listened to it. So I just was my I didn't think about it. I don't expect you to. No, I expect you to remember everything you've ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> I usually um, do. And then also, I guess the only other thing was binged the entire second season of Rutherford Falls because it dropped. I don't know. I I know the name, but I'm not sure what Rutherford Falls is. Uh yeah. So it is. I guess the latest, I don't think there's been any sense of uh, Michael Schur comedy starring Ed Helms, but that's more like to draw people in. And in reality, the show is native as fuck. And oh, I've seen ads for this. Yeah, it's great. And it's this gal, Janice Schmeeting, who is one of the writers who ended up being like the lead of the show, uh, plays Regan, who is just like super passionate about trying to preserve her culture and is like setting up the local uh native heritage museum and has to deal with all the bullshit that comes with that but they also just really like skewer a lot of shit that's going on in society and also really smartly bring up native issues in ways that people like everybody can understand so nice and it's really funny so sure sure is the he's the uh parks and rec guy yeah. Okay. He has to do the good place. Yes. 
And okay. Brooklyn Nine-Nine if he did Parks and Rec. So, damn, that guy's got some... Okay, so I gotta watch this then, because his hit rate is too good. And then literally all the good things you just said about it as well. Yeah, no, I'm done. Uh, what about you, Stephen? Um, me and my partner are watching through The Office again, so we've been seeing a lot of ads for Rutherford Falls on Peacock. Oh, uh, uh, Michael sure is Moe's. Like, in The Office. Dwight's brother? Moe's? Really? Yeah, that's Michael Schur. Oh he's my also, god! He, I think he's also one of the co-creators of the American version of The Office. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's really good. And then I'm also still watching through Supernatural, but that's less important. Um, I have trouble. Oh, and the so Orpal. I, I got into the Orpal again. I'm rewatching. I just I got through. I rewatched season one and two, and now I'm getting into the new Horizon stuff. That's the um, Hulu the original Hulu. content. Oh, dope. Um, which, holy shit, the first episode is um, pretty fucking heavy. I've I've read a bit. I, I fell off of the Orville because I watch a bunch of, like, actual Star Trek, so the, like... It also got cancelled, kind of, and then got picked up yeah. by Hulu, and I didn't even expect it to ever actually come back. Um, And so. I knew it had switched to Hulu, and it was just out late because COVID happened. Like, which, they were working on it, and yeah. There, it's not confirmed if there will be another season yet or not, though, because what's his name? The guy who made the Orville, uh, Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. Oh, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, was paid a just huge amount of money to go make a bunch of stuff for ABC, I think, which is why Hulu worked because they're both Disney owned. But I mean, I kind of hope so. like I like Star. I like the idea of Star Trek as a genre, so I don't hate the idea of the Orville. And they're doing like it. That's what I'm enjoying about it because I've, um, it's I, I really enjoy Star Trek. Um, but this is like, it's just kind of fun to see it with just like it's Star Trek with more jokes. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish some of the jokes weren't so Seth MacFarlane heavy. So I would love to see the non Star Trek comedy Star Trek. If that makes sense. I think part of the reason I stopped watching the Orville is Lower Decks was doing what uh, the Orville was trying to do better, which is funny Star Trek. Which I should, I really, really need to get into. This is like the third or fourth time I've been on and you've recommended it to me. Oh, I I love that show. You need to watch it real bad. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, so I need to. You're coming over later this week. I will I will hook you up. I uh, think you already have, and I'm just bad at getting around <laughs> to things. Um, let's see. What about me? Uh, I read a, two books called Swordmaster and Arrow, and what they are, an arrow is uh, A-E-R-O, not like bow and arrow, but like air. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. <clears throat> like how we're aeronauts. Yes, exactly. Different podcast, but yes listen to word balloons uh love that cross promotion (laughs) (laughs) it is uh marvel teamed up with a chinese company called like next something or nest something i don't remember what it was but they hired various japanese uh uh, asian comic creators i think one set is japanese one set is chinese and we're releasing comics in asian countries with asian creative teams that were part of the wider Marvel universe to, to try to expand readership. Uh, they also launched a book called new agents of Atlas that has like a, uh, uh, a 
Philippines hero that's a member, and as I said, like a Chinese hero, and someone who watches after Shanghai, and um, they're interesting. They the difference between Western comics and manga or manhwa, which is Chinese comics, is enough that it sometimes is a little jarring when they jump in and they're like, "This is this is part of the wider Marvel universe" because it feels very tonally different but it has it has enough potential i'm going to keep reading them and like see how it all finishes up uh and then i also read tmnt the last ronin which i did not expect to like nearly as much as i did it is just it has been described by people as and this is what made me not want to read it the uh dark knight returns for the ninja turtles mm-hmm I've been wanting to read this for a while, so I'm I'll, curious. I'll lend it to you. It's really fucking good. Um, I'm not going to lie. When you tell me Dark Knight, Retun- or Dark Knight Returns for, quote, anything, that is such a derisive statement. I, that could literally mean two very different things to me. Really what it means in this case, because it ignores a lot of the, whether I agree with Frank Miller or not, it, it ignores a lot of the dark social commentary of the 80s that Dark Knight Returns has, and it's just old man turtle in a post-apocalypse situation. Yeah. And it is based off of an idea that the original Turtles creators, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, had when they were making the original Turtles comic way back in the day. And then it never happened, partly because their relationship deteriorated real hard. I don't know the details. I'm going to get into it anyways. It's not really what we're about. But um, IDW bought the Turtles and a oh God, I, uh, an, uh, a writer named Tom Waltz has uh, did a 10-year, 100-issue run on the Ninja Turtles with Kevin Eastman, the one of the original Turtles creators, doing plotting. And as he was leaving after issue 100, they were like, we should do some big goodbye. That Eastman was like, hey, well, I have this treatise of a like a quote unquote finals turtle story that never happened. Why don't we do that? And it is the story of the like last surviving ninja turtle. And I can tell you which one it is or not. It's up to you. They don't tell you till the end of the first issue. Um, who sneaks back into New York, which has been taken over by Shredder's grandson and has to team up with old lady April and her daughter with Casey Jones, who is also named Casey Jones, but like Casey with an I. And the three of them have to go take on Shredder's insane grandson with like Shredder armor made out of like liquid metal and stuff. Cause I don't know, it probably came out around the time of, or the original idea came out around the time of Terminator 2. And the last surviving turtle is hallucinating his three brothers, giving him advice the whole time. Wow. I don't know if I'm feeling this well, but it's actually really good. And I didn't, I was like, I don't need fucking dark turtles, like, or like mega dark, grim dark turtles. But nope, turns out uh, it's incredible. Tom Waltz is possibly the best Ninja Turtles writer there's ever been. And I didn't know I cared enough about Ninja Turtles to have opinions on like ranking their writers. Hmm. Is it I Mikey? Love the Ninja Turtle movies, I know. It's Mikey, yeah. <laughs> oh, Dan, that makes sense. When you say that out loud, it's perfectly like that. He is the last one to, yeah. Surprising no one, Raph dies first. 
and I won't go yeah. into it from there, but <laughs> Wrath yeah. dies extremely quickly in this book because they do flashbacks to each turtle's death and uh, okay. uh, Master Splinter's death. But Raph goes out, and he's the only one I'll tell. Raph goes out killing like 150 foot soldiers, like just a whole room. Damn. And puts Karai, Shredder's daughter, in a coma. Like, damn. Oof. Well, I mean, I guess if you're going to go out as Raph. Yeah, no, I mean, and surprising no one, Raph going off on his own and leaving all the other brothers behind eventually got him fucking killed. Because it's his one move. If there's a story involving Raph, he's going to get mad at the other brothers and ditch him. Yeah. I get it, but I don't get it. (laughs) I'm very familiar. Oh yeah. Who's your favorite Tyler? Um, I don't know. I'm probably probably Donatello, but that's only because of like the old the, the NES game, like his bow staff made a lot of levels a lot easier. <laughs> the range. <laughs> yeah. Get it? Donnie's pretty great. As an adult, I think I like Leo best. Leo or Mikey? Mikey till I die. And that's tough. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it Donatello. I didn't realize, as I was saying, I had such passionate opinions about the Ninja Turtles until during COVID I started reading the Tom Waltz run. And I now have like six fancy, expensive, hardbound copies of the first half of his run. And I need to collect the rest. They're just not cheap. So I'm guessing they're all equally fancy and expensive. Oh, yeah. No, they are. Like, I bought the, the cheap paperback version and... Um, this is something that only comes up if you're the kind of comic nerd that I am. IDW uses shit glue a lot of times. Dynamite has the same problem, like uh, uh, second tier, third tier companies like this. I say second tier, third tier, not of like quality, but like um, in like literal ranking. Yes. Marvel and DC are the big two. I would put second tier as Image and Dark Horse. They're like the next best ones. And then Dynamite, IDW, Boom, stuff like that. Um, but they tend to skimp on the glue that they use so the books fall apart really easily. And it is something in my brain when the pages start to come out, I know I can just keep it right there and like, you know, just like not let them get messed up, but it bothers me. And they had these big, beautiful hardcovers and I'm a sucker for a big, beautiful hardcover. So I am slowly working. And I mean, they're like, I was going to say this thick on an audio format. They're like, 15 issues each in each one instead of the usual five. It's a ton. Nice. Nice. I always prefer a hardcover over a a paperback, personally, so I get you. Especially when it comes to graphic novels. The only time I really prefer paperback is when I was doing a bunch of backpacking for my job at the time, when I was still in the Montana Conservation Corps, because one, I care more about keeping a hardback clean, and two, they're just so much fucking heavier and they take up so much more room than like I would specifically go to the book exchange and find like a legible but shitty copy of whatever book I was reading because I knew I was just going to destroy the book as I like carried with me everywhere while doing trail work. Yeah, worst case scenario, you can literally burn pages to get it out of your way if you need to. I still have sand that falls out of my copy of Dune every time I open it up and I'm just it's too perfect. I can't replace that. Yeah, that's that is true. Bitching. I was going to say, I guess my preference is to like 
It depends on what I'm buying it for. If I'm buying it to read it, I prefer paperback. If I'm buying it so that I own it, I prefer hardback. Well, and you're way more likely to go digital than uh, oh yeah than I am, or I think Stephen is like. Which... When it comes to comic, for sure, I definitely want to have a physical copy more than I want to have, um, read stuff digitally. Personally, I, I I can't focus on it. In fairness, when it comes time to move, Tyler can move his entire collection in like <laughs> one box. I'm lucky to get it in one truckload anymore. Like, I think I like, moved into a home. Two boxes, <laughs> maybe. One, 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 two boxes. One of the last times I was moving, not the most recent one, but the time uh, to the last apartment I had before this, my buddy is helping me move, and he's like, "Zach, do you think you own enough fucking comic books?" I'm like, "We both know the answer. That is no." <laughs> <laughs> I don't have them all yet. I just like po- Pokemon installed some weird shit in me early in life. I just took it into the comic book format. There, we don't. We didn't even think to ask if we should watch any trailers, so uh, I on think a, we're good on that front. I watched one trailer this week, and it was kind of a... Although I'm excited for the product, it was kind of a really shitty trailer, so I didn't share it across the group. But, like... What was it? If, you're, if anybody out there is curious, there is finally, like, a full trailer for the new season of Bleach since it's coming back after getting canceled so that they can finally finish off the uh, the final manga story arc, the Thousand Year Blood War. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I did watch a trailer. I didn't share it because I thought it was bad. But I, <laughs> but I just remembered what it was. Well, not that it's bad. It just seems like it's not a movie that I'm going to be as interested in watching personally. It's a movie that's coming to Hulu called The Princess. Um, oh, I saw something for that. It looks fine. It looks like something I inevitably will watch but not enjoy. But the trailer for it uh, uses bad reputation, and I just couldn't not think of um, the the fight scene from Shrek. Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, it looked like fantasy gunpowder milkshake, which is not the worst description yeah, I've ever heard. Exactly. But also at the same time, I really enjoyed gunpowder milkshake despite it being not great. Yeah. It's uh, fine, but it's fun. It's fun. Not the story I want of all the people you're talking about. I want you to yeah, shoot that the camera like killer. six feet to the left. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what that's we have for me. trailers this time. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a uh, trailer for the new Trigun. Oh, shit. What's that look like? I saw that that was out, but I haven't watched it yet. I'm trying really hard to keep an open mind and not blame it for not being the classic Trigun. It right, because it's CG? It's CG, which I'm not huge on CG anime, to be entirely honest with you. It's and really challenging to do. It's His look was changed pretty significantly for this. Mm. Like, he's still got the like, long red coat. Like, how significant? Are we talking, like, new Lobo significant? No. Okay. No, we're not talking Lobo gets turned into a uh bishy swishy he's um <laughs> but i it, i mean it's just a much more modern style the the t- little tiny yellow glasses that he always wears are like huge they're like bigger than his eyes his hair doesn't spiky the same it it, it is a someone else's take on the character's design while the original anime is a pretty faithful adaptation of the original manga Right. It's not necessarily bad, but 
Trigun is in my top five anime. Easy. Like, it's historically number two after Cowboy Bebop. So it's one of those ones that I have to, like, no, shut up, watch the goddamn thing, and, like, don't hold grudges. The Trigun story is good enough that it wouldn't be hard for it to still be super good. Mm -hmm. So, and then, oh, they're releasing a challenge of the Super Sons, the, like, Robin and and Superman's son. And again, they're doing CGI, so I'm not convinced on the style, but... I don't know. Super Sons was a charming book, so I'm hoping. Cool. That's our trailers. There Just we go. Telling each other about trailers instead of like discussing them. Um, I don't mind it. It seems fun. Yeah, let's take a quick break, and then we will come back and talk about the actual thing we're here for. Sounds great. One thing I'll say that's nice of doing this over Zoom and not having to drive home for 40 minutes afterwards is... Uh, totally not drinking my post-work beginning of vacation beer while recording and i'm gonna say that's uh, real nice or i guess keeping in the spirit of food wars it's rice juice <laughs> special it, rice juice special yes. rice juice it's okay. totally not a, a steagles rattler which is grapefruit and malt liquor but uh and i need to google like do they have liquor in in japan do they have liquor in japan like, do they have, like, a, their own liquor? Or do they have, like, sake? High, high proof sake? Because I've Fame. only ever had sake that's, like, kind of white, like, wine levels of alcohol. Also, they make some pretty good whiskey. Mm. I've heard this, but I've never tried it. It's pretty good. I, I, I have also heard this, but never tried it. Now, admittedly, I am not the whiskey connoisseur of my friends. Like, I've got a couple people who are like, try this $900 bottle of whiskey. And I'm like, yes, I will. But uh, <laughs> I, I can't wild, uh, I, I can't be like, well, this one, you know, is obviously blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that tastes good. Um, That's fair. It, okay. So, Food War, Shokugeki no Sama, season two, which I found out because I wasn't paying attention, is significantly shorter than season one. When I was watching like two or three episodes a night, being like, I got to make sure that I'm not like powering through at the last couple days, like I always do for this goddamn show. <laughs> and then I finished like a week ago, being like, oh, well, okay, here we are. In your defense, 13 episodes from the Atlanta. episodes go really fucking fast. This yes. season, season two, just whips by. I did the same basically and fully intended to go back and rewatch them and also did not. Uh, yeah. I looked ahead, noticed it was shorter and put it all off till like two days ago. So, <laughs> so the smart one, other uh, than like the first two episodes, I did do those. Um, yeah, you, you said you had already mm -hmm. done those too. Yeah. Um, we go through, we enter into the semifinals of the, what is it? The fall tournament or something like that. The fall selection tournament. That's the word. And then go through the stagiaire challenge. I guess I'm going to say I think this season actually is just significantly better than the first. And it's partly because I don't know if it's because it's shorter, but they just have had. We know we don't have to get the like Soma introduction, Megumi introduction. Yada. We know most of the characters now and they can just kind of I was going to snap my fingers, but I can't snap my fingers. Just go, go, go. We don't have to introduce the school. We don't have to introduce food battles. We don't have to uh, get you past these uh, weird uh, 
visual representations of uh, enjoying food as a visual metaphor, also including basically people. Foodgasm? Foodgasm, thank you. I do wish the back half of the season had like four more episodes because I could have done a lot more with like seeing other people's hardships during the second round of the stagiaire, but yes, entirely. Oh, yeah, like four seconds of Megumi. I want to, I still want to know what the Himbros, they like saved the kitchen and all we know is they're all, yeah, bro, we're great at this. They fry good food. (laughs) They they literally are good at like tempura frying shit by the looks of it. Um, uh, Because that's all we've ever seen them. They they show off some sort of big fucking platter of tempura fried uh, glorious deliciousness. And they're like, yeah, we're good at this. I'm like, still okay. convinced that their specialty is big city sandos, but I could have watched a whole episode of uh, Takumi Aldini at the maid cafe that they put him in. Yes, as well as mm-hmm. uh, Megami there too. I love. I, I I want to see them in that environment because I it it's very brief the glimpses you get to see of the people doing their various uh, stagiaires, but uh, it seems like it's very meticulously chosen to challenge them in specific ways. And I, the more I watch Food Wars, the more I'm wanting to be able to see literally everybody else's story. Except for Arena Nakari, who just, they're like, we put you in a fancy place, make it better, have fun, bye. Like, I would have loved <laughs> to seen her put in a fucking fast food joint. Oh, hell yeah. That'd been good. But before we go into the, I guess, more into the, what is it, the stagiaire? Staglier. I don't know how to pronounce it. Stagiaire. Stagiaire. Let's do the uh, quarterfinals because that's where we left off last time. Right. Bento box uh, first, right? Fuck. Mm-hmm. I almost bought a bento box the first time I finished reading this. Like, just, and I don't bring food from home very often. And maybe if I bought a bento box, I would. And I should try that. Save myself some money. Fuck, that looked good. Yes. Uh, both of them. Um, Knockery's box. Her sushi plate was very delicious looking, but uh, damn, I want that soup. <laughs> Alice, I mean, yeah, sushi, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I, I agree with her thing of like, she didn't do any of the bento. This is the first time that I saw Alice's food and really was like, I would like to eat that, please. Yes. It was the most appetizing thing she's played it that like, I wanted to, wanted to eat it. But good and i know tyler you're a bigger fan of her stuff than i am i'm i'm a big fan of her stuff this particular battle didn't do much for me just because i don't think we mentioned it on air last time i think it was something we were talking about off air i am actually like a really really fucking picky eater and this entire like none of this this one didn't look good to me. I didn't want to try either of their boxes. I didn't give a shit. I thought it was neat that she was beat by because she didn't actually do anything that was specific to Bento. Uh-huh. Um, but I kind of didn't care about this That's one. Fair. In hindsight, it does well, feel like she's kind of phoned in to purposely lose, which I get that it makes sense. She's going up against Soma, but like, there's certain I, elements of it that didn't feel fully fleshed out for what you've seen of her character. I would disagree with purposefully lose, 
I think she phoned it in because she wasn't taking him seriously of like, ah, whatever, oh. he's that good. And I'm that's an excellent point. I'm going to beat him without trying. And we knew he was gonna pass through because he's the main character, but like although I love the idea of him getting cut out of the like semifinals. <laughs> it is the rules of well, I mean, he could have lost in the semifinals, I guess, but like it is the rules of the shonen competition arc that always happens the first competition they will very rarely actually win it naruto loses his i don't remember if yu yu Hakusho wins his in the like original dark tournament but to be fair you can kind of stop watching after the dark tournament when it comes i to think he does win because they it might be like a technicality type situation because it's definitely a situation if you don't and you die yeah, that's also a way bigger one, too. Like, um, but a lot of times, like, you don't... Oh, uh, uh, Midoriya from My Hero Academia loses in the semifinals. Rocky won. He loses to Apollo. <laughs> yes. Because I would totally watch Rocky as a shonen anime. Yes. Um, <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, they should remake more shit into shonen animes. Oh, my God, yeah. I, I want to see uh, uh what was it uh, Ghost uh, Racer Race World Ra- Ghost Racer Racers World? Ghost Racers Yes, I uh, your uh, the previous episode I just listened to talking about that as a shown in anime. I was like, yes, please. Oh yeah, that episode is out. Over on Nerd uh, New <laughs> Island, one of our other uh, shows. Plug. God, we're getting to plug everything today. No watch uh, Friday just so we mentioned it and the art of war gaming. Um, of course, we're gonna plug everything when we're talking about the horny cooking anime. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i agree this is the least exciting of the challenges i think but it just didn't it, make me hungry mostly yeah most of the other ones hungry. make me hungry it, it did make me hungry but i think the um the the thing that it did more than anything else was make people actually have to start taking soma seriously in a way that they hadn't up till now although they still kind of don't for the fu- up until the final challenge but like it's it's where his competitors start taking him more seriously after being like, oh, fuck, he beat an Ocarie. We, I guess we do have to care. Oh, we meet Alice's mother. She's odd. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the next one? Megumi versus um, uh, uh, Kurokaiba. Oh, and the ramen battle. Yeah. Right. I do love a good ramen. I will say that. Uh, that's the thing is that like I never wanted to I, like I watched Naruto I never wanted to really eat ramen when I watched that and then I started watching this show and it made me fucking really need to fucking make and eat ramen there's and, only one ramen place in Missoula I don't know if it's any good I've never been there I've heard people talk well about it but we live in a town with people with low standards yeah well we yeah. live in rural Montana there's not a whole lot of options it's mostly me I bring the average down. <laughs> uh, what about this one, Tyler? Did it make you hungrier to watch the... Uh, uh, shit. I'm trying to remember these ones. Um, I think I really wanted to try Megumi's, though. I'm not the... Like, I, I'm not a big seafood guy. I don't dislike it, but if I have an option, I'm going to stay away from it for the most part. And I know hers used some, too. But... Mm-hmm. Not it's not like Kurokiba's. 
Yeah, but yeah, she's definitely using way more of a vegetable-centric dish to play into the umami of the little, what little bit of seafood she's using. Mm -hmm. Kirakawa is doing, like, he has that, uh, what, I forget what it's called, it's some sort of, like, cooking film or something. It's thicker than, like, um, it's like a plastic strap, basically. Getting into, like, uh, a molecular gastronomy type stuff, and he's he's all about packing in the flavor and that, that explosion of flavor. I, I think Tyler would hate his dish. His lobster stuff from his uh, preliminaries the previous season looked better to me than this. Yeah, it honestly did. This like That's my problem with some of these dishes. Um, the, the dishes that lost in these uh, semifinals, except for Megamese, I, I kind of think she should have won. Um, personally, yeah. in all honesty, um, I don't get why Kirakaiba keeps going as far as he does. Like, it doesn't make sense other than, like, they want him to for some reason, narratively. He's I don't, he, Everything he makes sounds, like, too busy to me or, like, too <clears throat> abrasive, too... Too explosion of flavor! Which is, like, I, I want flavor and I'm not fine with it, but it's like, does it always have to be an explosion? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Does it always have to be explosion at turned up to 11? He's Just the Michael Bay of breakfast with this guy. So yeah, that, that I think is my problem with Kirakawa. You're like, all right, I'm gonna make some smoothies. And he's like, get ready. It's <sighs> like, yeah, no, man, it's take it down a notch. I do like the the polar uh versions you see of him, of him being like when he's in that mode. That is an interesting dynamic mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, at the very end of this one, they have the because Megumi doesn't get the like disrobing that the dean does for literally every other fucking meal, but then it's revealed that she got like a mini disrobing and basically his underwear just exploded <laughs> off. And I was Which, like, in all honesty, is a harder, yeah, much harder. Yeah, this is uh, actually goal. deeply uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> and like, especially the phrasing they use for the dub is wild. It's like he, she like secretly disrobed me, and it's like, what the. Fuck. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh, make it make it cook. Okay, got it. Does does the sub call them the diamond generation or the what is it they call them in the dub? The the era uh, of or something like that? The golden age. Our second golden age. Oh yeah, the second golden age. Um and they uh, what is it? Something later on, the old man, I can't remember his name. He Deep keeps Tucker. mentioning yeah, he keeps mentioning like the era of jewels, but I don't think that comes That's in until what like I was trying to wonder. Like, I don't think that comes in until manga, like the last half of the season. At least in the American version of the manga, they refer to it as the Diamond Generation. Um, yeah, I think I think like in this episode and like early on in this season, it's more like, oh, this seems like it's going to be a second golden era, and then later on, he's like, this is the age of jewels. Okay, so. I just love weird translations. That's all. It's when World War II was bad enough that they decided it was World War II and that it was no longer just the Great War. Yeah. Gotcha. So they just named it that era now. Round three it's uh, Takumi versus Mimasaka. And we can finally talk about Mimasaka because he is, uh, uh, Steven's got thoughts on him. Oh, God. Yeah. I hate him. Oh, wait. We skipped the burger duel. Oh, fuck. That's like my favorite duel. Oh, yeah. Um, meet me. No, not meet me. Uh, secretary girl. 
and uh, Arato, I think. And, oh, right. Uh, yeah, she did a burger in an earlier thing that I'm thinking of. God, I had it. I fucking had it. Uh, um, Hayama. Uh, yep. So one thing fucking... So this is one of the episodes... I did watch this a little bit earlier in the week. Um, I did hold off till this week instead of watching it right away back way before, uh-huh. but... And it bugged me all fucking week that <laughs> neither of them sliced their fucking hamburger bun all the way through. They were presented like pitas or like opened up empanadas or tacos. They weren't fucking burgers. <laughs> so for you, burgers have to be fully separated. Like, I they, guess I've never thought of a pita as a burger before, so I get that. Yeah, like that's... It wasn't even like it was halfway through. It was literally like they made pocket bread. Mm-hmm. Secretary, I forget her name. What, secretary girl. Um, Arato. Arato. Um, uh, her, Sako's, it looked way better to me. Like if I were to, I, I would have to give it to her more so because I would call it more of a burger than uh, his, uh, his pita. It felt I think he pointed out hers was way wilder of a choice while his was way safer, just making a fucking pita as opposed to a goddamn turtle burger. Yeah. His sounded like it was going to taste better. I was impressed with hers, but I wanted to eat his. See, I wanted to try hers. I trusted his more. So I guess kind of the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I feel like his would be a, a safe bet, but I also wouldn't call it a burger. I will say since I started or since I first read this, I've started paying more attention to the pickle that I put on a burger and it does significantly improve the flavor. If you have like the right kind of pickle with it. Yeah. Love a good pickle. And if I have to eat like shitty burgers and I, I mean, I don't really do fast food burgers already. I don't do pickles cause they tend to do terrible goddamn pickles, but like, you know, my wife, home makes a shit ton of pickles so we have like a spicy dill that she made we also have what we have dubbed the thickle which was a cucumber she missed so it grew to like the size of her fist and she can Uh fit it in the jar it's one pickle for the whole jar and we haven't tried it yet because it's just kind of fun to take it out of the fridge and be like look a thickle (laughs) (laughs) it's like a pickle in a bag almost kind of spectacle i love it now we're up to uh yeah that one you know whatever we started saying before Mimasaka. Mimasaka. yeah and i don't even remember what they made like it it was a dessert of some kind oh Uh, uh, they 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 semi-fredo semi-fredo um uh yeah the cooking is wildly unimportant in this one other than the fact that you know it's not like other than i would have just ate both of them up Oh, I oh, would yeah. have devoured them. <laughs> but, like, the others, cooking was such a big thing, while the fact of this one is, like, the way of cooking was way more important. Or, like, Mimisaka's fucking creepiness was way more important. Yeah, I don't like Mimisaka. He, 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 he's he's cooking for wrong reasons, and they're clearly showing that, but, like, I really, really did not care for him. Yeah. I think some of his his bits are funny, but also, like, they, I feel like in the, the English dub, some of it's a really lost in translation. Like it, I had to watch it up multiple times to realize that he was basically an employee of that one dude. And no, I, don't know lot, um, I, I think he's the number three. Yeah, seat. no, uh, the, um, the fucking Yakuza kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, uh, the one from the Chicken War stuff. 
it, yeah. So the English dub's a little loose on some of his uh, stuff. Uh, I missed some of his stuff. It took me multiple weeks to get, understand it. He does sound like he's about 45 in the dub. <laughs> yeah. He looks like he's about 45. So that's a, that's a lot. That's funny. Uh, so I kind of like Mimasaka, but I also have a tendency to dip my toe into uh, being a griefer when possible. Like my main magic deck is a black blue mill. So I kind of get what he's doing where he's kind of playing, he's playing the system and it's inadequacies more than he's playing the other people. Yeah, I he's playing I a di- he's playing a different game than everyone else is, and he's winning at it. That's be- yeah, which is what makes it kind of cheap. But I think my biggest problem with Mimasaka, and it's probably the smallest thing, is it's just a trope I don't like in anime. But anytime there's the creepy guy who does like the like tongue wagging thing, like yeah. there's always I, I don't like the weird tongue stuff they do with like he's a. He's a bad kid in the leather and he's jacket. Like a yeah. No, like, no I will say, I do wish he was being less of a dick about it and like not taking people's family heirlooms. But I do enjoy the griefing side. Yeah, that, the whole oh, gonna take this prized family heirloom that like my, that sucks. Uh, I like I don't dig that. But... Memory of my mom who passed away. Holy fuck, you are fucked up, dude. And he's licking it. Great. Fucking wonderful. Um, You don't just immediately like, no, I want a different one. Do you have a less important knife? (laughs) (laughs) Can you just stop cooking in Food Wars instead? You don't come up with anything else. I immediately bail on that. It's that's knife. um, uh, But they do. I would love to see him have been set up to be more of a foil um, or like a turned good type of um uh, rival type person more so than uh kirakaiba mm. um, he will come back later cool excellent that's all i'm gonna say but he will come back later um, i still yet have to have watched past season two i need to it's it's gonna happen yeah to be honest later on in the story he's kind of more important than kirakaiba which is weird that's but part of my critique of the show of like look at this huge character okay moving on now and then that brings us through the first round. So that would be next is uh, um, Mimisaka again versus Soma. Mm-hmm. Right. With all of like the everything leading up to it with yeah. like the journalist kid and stuff. And uh, and like setting the stakes of doing a beef stew. And that Jesus they know fuck, that's what they're beef doing. looks so good to me. Uh, this, yeah. His, his first beef stew he made looks real good. His carnival ride beef stew that he wins with looks like too much for me in all honesty fair i love a good i'm not a big soup guy but i love a good stew same Same. love a good stew always in for stew i feel like soup rips me off but stew it gives me just enough Mm -hmm. uh oh god my wife since she makes goat milk or not she makes goat milk that's not fucking christ (laughs) um we have goats so we have goat milk. She makes like cheese and stuff with the said goat milk, but you get the whey as an extra. And it's just like the byproduct of like making the cheese. And it makes the greatest fucking soup slash stew stock. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. It's so good. You should try making risotto with that. Ooh. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. 
Okay. Do it. Stop what we're doing. Stop recording. Go make it right now. <laughs> no, she's cooking downstairs. I'm not fucking with whatever smells that good. Okay, uh, and also, yeah, we gotta, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's fair. Okay. <laughs> this is fair. Uh, but, oh, first, the little kid. I do kind of agree with some on this one. Why the fuck is this kid at the world's most toxic cooking school if he wants to be a journalist? I get cooking journalism, but, like, I don't know. I feel like he's just not made the right choices in life. I feel maybe, like it's maybe that can just a narrative thing in that, like, yeah. I, I, it's weird that they question it. Like, they have their main character question it, but that's also such a self like It's just kind of a thing with Food Wars that seems very self-reflexive of everything. And Now, in fairness, he's, like, 12. And if I were a little kid like that, and when I was a little kid like that, I totally would have signed up for something like that, being like, hell yeah, that's what you do, man. Like, I, you know. But I it makes as much sense as, like, the business class in um, My Hero Academia. I just, I still can't settle on, like, one hobby now, so it makes perfect sense that he, I guess, in its own weird way, that he's like, yeah. I'm going to be the world's greatest cook journalist. They definitely have set up a precedent that there's like super specialization within the schools. Mm -hmm. In that like, what was it? Kenji? Kenji's basically just like, Zenji? I I forget his name. Um, He's just like, I'm a food historian and that's how I cook. And I'm like, yes, please. This is fucking bitchy. Well, it's like, even what's her, I know we've already said it a couple times, but fucking assistant girl. Uh, Arato. Yeah, even when you see her um, in the next section and stuff, it seems like her specialty more than what was brought up is being a good kitchen administrator. Which, like, these are all, like, real jobs that, like, uh-huh. yeah, I guess it makes sense that this cooking school would facilitate the education of these things at, I guess, this fictional level. So sure, so maybe he's just hoping to do both, and his thing eventually will be, I don't know, also being able to show off his dishes because of how he's able to present other people's. I don't know. Who knows? Food photography, but only stuff I make myself. It's definitely um, a thing I appreciate in this season that they talked about of like exploring multiple facets of the kitchen. Like they get into it a little bit more specifically in the sachier with like the meat buyer who is was the back of house meat buyer mm. and then is now front of house like lead front of house and it's like talking to customers to get a better understanding of what is going on in the kitchen and i really appreciate that end of it just yeah I've, i guess I've a holistic understanding of like, a kitchen slash work, working with food is it involves a lot of people mm-hmm. Like uh, you and uh, me and all three of us work in a place that facilitates getting food to the public, and we all do it in three different, very ways, very different ways. Different ways yeah, that's true. Um, I'm trying to think of anything I have to. The problem with the Mimasaka challenges is they're hard to talk about because there's not too. I mean, there's there's not much difference. Two. Yeah, yeah. I I can see what you're saying, Stephen, about too much stuff. I, I uh, suffer from wanting things to be overcomplicated sometimes because I'm just like, just more. But um, uh, yeah, it's just for me. I, one, I'm 
uh, as I am getting older in my life, I'm realizing I don't need to be eating a lot of meats and I don't need to be eating a wide variety of meats in one bowl. That's fair. Where in which I've precluded anything but the meats. So it sounds awesome and I would definitely try it, um, but it would it didn't entice me as much as, in all honesty, as just the bacon one. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm all about meat. I, but, uh, no, no, I'm going to go with the meat carousel. Give it all to me. (laughs) It's the one I would most want to have the experience, if nothing else. Like it's, um, okay. So that brings us to, uh, it's just the final one now. Yeah. It's, um, uh, uh, Kurakaiba versus, Hayama? Ryo? Ryu? No, that's Karakaiba's name. Fucking Spice Boy. Right. I love our short names for all of them so much. It, <laughs> it fills me with so much joy. All of us unable. So many characters in this show, guys. And completely unable to remember any of their names. I, I really liked this one for a really weird specific reason, and it just... God, what was the... Uh, what was the cooking competition show on Bravo? I don't know why I'm fucking blanking this. Top Chef? Yes, that is correct. Used to watch a shit ton of Top Chef back in the day. My favorite season of all of them. I don't remember what number it was, but it came down to the last two was like this like Swedish guy versus this Danish guy. <laughs> And they were both just these awesome, hilarious, big personalities. But one of the competitions uh, involved having to cook with eel. And because of that, I knew how to properly prepare eel. And so when Kurakaiba immediately like nailed the head to the fucking board, I'm like, oh, he's doing it correctly. And he knows how because he grew up in those countries. And I've seen this before. That's awesome. What was the theme for this one again? Uh, Western dishes. Oh, right. And it was, oh God, I remember thinking this one was good. I can't remember what either of them made. Uh, Akira uh, presents his dish, which is uh, uh, carnid aspics, aspis. I can't remember how it's pronounced. Aspis or something like that. It's the yeah, it's a combination of spices with duck. Um, and then uh, Kirakiba, uh, Kirakiba uh, serves up the eel. Um, Matolo. I can't remember what it's called. Mm. It was an eel dish with plum. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Their foods always look good. They're never the ones, like, in both of these characters, they're never the ones that have me being like, holy shit, I'm going to pay attention to that one. Yeah, and I think that's totally based on, like, their cooking styles basically entirely being, well, Akira is basically, like, very fragrance heavy and, like, scent-based. He's all about the scent and smell of it. And we are not going to get that reading it or watching it. And then uh, his is all about that explosion of flavor when you eat it. And there's really no way to translate that. And it's not so much about like the visual appeal of it. So it makes sense that you're not as enticed by it. Their stuff as in general. That's fair. Actually, that's really fair. That, That explains a lot of why. I mean, I said that last episode, these two are kind of like, of the big challenge people he's gone up against, these two are the ones I find kind of the least interesting. It's honestly a lot of sh- a lot of tell, uh, uh, basically like ex- 
expositionally just telling you, oh, this smells so great. It looks, I'm so excited to eat it. And it's like, oh. Cool. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad Uh, you are. I'm really glad he did an amazing job of creating that perfect spice blend that makes it smell so good. I can relate to this. But it kind of smells like cat at my house. Yep. And then this is the one they tie. Yeah, Yeah, this sets up the three-way at the end. Wow, this show is very sexy. Slash horny? (laughs) Horny. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, they go into Battle Sorry, um, Pacific Sorry. I do enjoy this bit here where he has to uh, uh, find, like, figure out the best way to present the fish because he knows he can't pick as good a fish as the other two. Because this does show the thing I do love about Soma of because he doesn't have that, like, specific style, like, I am the scent man. I am weird, angry dude who does seafood all the time. Uh he can learn from anyone and everyone and we get to see him actually like use that in a way that we've only gotten hints of before when he just kidnaps all his friends and he's like, teach me your ways. <laughs> yeah. He's just a sponge. He, he's, he wants to try and cook everything. And I like that. I I'm realizing he is, uh, unfortunately the, that is my cooking style is I will just fucking try anything and, give it a whirl and try and make it better the next time well i think that's a really important factor of cooking like just anyone of like well i made this what did i learn from it sometimes i learn i don't like it yeah that happens too perfectly valid thing to learn mm-hmm. and that's when he makes uh peanut butter and uh squid <laughs> or squid and yogurt which is the one i'm hard out on mm. oh god that oh. does sound way worse oh yeah why anyway <laughs> um sounds actually almost scandinavian because there is like cod pudding and stuff in like there's some oh. weird fucking dishes in scandinavian oh, no. cooking. <laughs> that sounds so bad a lot of shit i will not eat when i get together with my family yeah no thank you i don't know they they were like this is because this is this fish is perfectly designed for all three of you to be able to like use it to your greatest potential. Seafood man, smell man, usually makes fast food man. But then they immediately don't do anything kind of fast foody with it. Like, I mean, he's not really a fast food. That's like too well, mean. I think he's he's not so much fast food. Too mean. It's more he is common home cook. Yeah, like. But, mm-hmm. Which they, they do they do briefly like they talk about it like as a it was traditionally used as a uh, it was cooked as like a as a home like it was a cheap poverty type dish basically is what they kind of refer to it as and then it was eventually elevated to the status of being but that's kind of high. what I mean they they say that and then they never take and he never takes any advantage of like this is a classic home commoner food let's play with that angle they were like see it'll work great for you you're fucked now and he the, the whole thing is him overcoming like how do i pick the best fish well he also would have been fucked if he would have made it too homey they picked it because he's used to cooking for the masses and that's what makes it similar to something that they also work with but it's hard to choose something similar between all three of them so that was the most tenuous connection they could make because those other guys are a lot more used to to working it or to cooking for very select 
uh, audiences. Uh-huh. And he's like, no, well, I, I cook for the masses. And this was a fish used by the masses. So it's a flavor I should know how to manipulate. Whether I manipulated it for the masses or not, it's a flavor that uh, he should know. I don't, I'm trying to remember whose I thought actually looked, because like, Rio, not Rio, fucking Spice Boy wins. Um, he did a Cartaccio. Honestly, I feel kind of bad I can never remember his name because he was CC's favorite. Akira? Um, he was super great, and I'm like, ah, eh, fucking whatever. Akira, thank you. Uh, um, no, I thought I would have given it to him. Uh, that was the one I wanted to try most. Yeah, that would be the one I, I would want to try. Um, Soma's rice dish looks good, but it like it wasn't. It didn't necessarily grab me more than the other two. Wait, actually, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back. I would actually want to try Kurakaiba's the most. I forgot about the herb butter that everything was just swimming in. I fucking oh. love herb butter. I was totally thinking of a different dish earlier. This is the dish I was thinking uh, Kirokaiba made earlier. I don't know what I was thinking then. So yeah, he makes this in this uh, final round. Yeah, no, I wouldn't try that one. That one's the one I would want to try. The and Kurokaiba. both of them show progress by learning from the other's weakness or like strong points. Yeah, I like that shit. That's my, my jam. Yeah, we're learning. Uh, it does kind of justify the fall challenge as opposed to just like, what is it with this school? Like, um, And then someone presents his dish, which is the salted rice bran, um, which. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I, he, oh, he got inspired by Fumio's pickles. That's right. Mm-hmm. I do um, like pickled stuff, so I'm down. I thought the thing Soma made that looked most tasty was from his preliminary where he did his curry thing. Curry thing. Which curry thing? Uh, he did the flavor bomb curry thing that, um, oh yeah, no, that, oh, was, yeah. Definitely, that was the most enticing. I, like, I feel like I kind of preferred the food in season one overall. Now yeah. Same here. Um, I think that might have something to do with because it was such broader categories. We got to see people do more of their own original stuff. So there was a wider variety. So there was going to be one that was like, fuck yeah, that thing. I want to try the turtle burger so goddamn bad. Like, I just already said that, I know, but that's where my brain goes back to. Yeah, of this uh, season, I think the turtle burger is the one that I would want to try the most, in all honesty, uh, despite it being a turtle burger. I love a fucking burger. And I've never eaten turtle, so I can't say, but... Um, of this season, I'll go with uh, both of the semifreddos. I would eat the shit out of some semifredo, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although uh, I've recently had an encounter with Limoncello that made me apprehensive of trying both of these and that I realized I might not like that. Mm. Might just not be my cup of tea. Not that it's bad, just not my thing. I like some good lemon in a um, in a dessert. Anyway, uh, who uh, oh, uh, fucking Spice Boy wins, right? Spice Boy wins. wins. Someone, someone couldn't even win with the soy milk at the end, turning it into a creamy porridge. Um, we first hear about the specialty really being talked about in a way of like, must find my specialty, my ultimate extension of my cooking. My signature dish. Yeah, I think what they call it in the, the dub. Um, that's right, not specialty, signature. Which, like, that's why he wins, that it could be considered a signature dish for him. It said specialty in the sub, so huh. it was huh. specialty. 
<laughs> and here's where we go to the stagiaire. I mean, yeah, there's some between, but not much it, happens it, there. Mostly, you just see them, like, for some reason, being, like, really fucking best friends now, the three of them. They're like... Do we, though? They spend most of that time insulting each other. Yes, but it's like a weird, it's got the weird energy of like, well, we're now the three It's a best pretty bro insulting. So we're That's gonna true. we're gonna bro down and cook for each other like we're best friends, but we're gonna be weird about it. I don't know. I I liked it. Like I like all the way they interact. I just this then this entire section, like I said already, needs like four more episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. I don't think you need to extend the, um, I would like to see a little bit more of some of the other people preparing for their stuff. Like I would like to see Megami doing her challenge a little bit more. I would like to see uh, Takami prepare a little bit more um, just to get a little bit of setup for uh, Miyasaka going up against him and then Soma. And then definitely the stagiaire needs to be extended into like basically at least four more episodes so we can see what everybody's doing. I need to know what fucking Megami is doing at that uh, maid cafe with uh, Takami, Aldini, and I kind of want to see what fucking uh, Nakari is doing at that ramen bar. Yeah, I actually really mm-hmm. want to see Alice Nakari at a fucking ramen bar. Um, she just seized control weirdly fast, but that's fun. I think because I, as someone who, as the person who does know what's coming up next, it's going to kick into kind of the main storyline after this, like and I think that the creators were just getting really impatient to jump into like the the quote unquote big bad or the like you know we've done all our setup it's go time this is one thing actually with the stagiaire I do kind of like the school a little better I mean they have the creepy spies and stuff and that's still super strange but I enjoy the fact that when they send people to go help out it's not just the super fancy ones yeah like that's awesome mm-hmm. that's the thing i want that made me most curious to know more about them is that it seems very specifically set to have these people going to challenge them in a way that is like really you see it a lot with the megami and um talk me in that like megami does not seem to have a lot of confidence for the most part or like or would be lacking stage presence for the most part um, and putting her in a maid cafe and having her to be the center of attention and confidently talking to she people wasn't, like that. She wasn't in the maid cafe though. She was in the um, the fancy restaurant with Karina. Uh, uh, oh, that's in the first uh, part of the stagiaire. In a second, oh. she goes to uh, while she's with uh, uh, Takmi. You only see them briefly. Um, and yeah, we got like no time with that. That would have been fun to see. That's basically while Soma would be at uh, his uh, second thing with um, at Shino's French guy. Yeah, um, yeah. That whole section that you're referring to was like three minutes long, with every group getting like ten seconds. Yeah, exactly. It's that needed to be three like minutes. three episodes. Exactly, and I want to see Takami have to fucking not be a pretentious asshole and then do his little. Shoopy doopy 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 and put oh, ketchup God. on his omelet. Um, that would have gotten very old very fast. Oh, I oh yes, but like still, I would be down for uh, even if you do a half episode arc where you're doing getting to see those six different people and splitting it up over a couple episodes. I want to see that. That is so much more interesting. To the, the, the fact that Mito was just apparently instead of at a restaurant hanging out with an old guy around a fire. Oh, yeah, that was dope. 
That was I want to know so much more. During the during the Stagia era, I do just fucking love Soma though, because I like seeing people who are good at what they do and are wanting to get better at it. Yes. Like yes. when Agreed. I was watching it, I was like, this, this is why I couldn't really get into Harry Potter. Because he gets to a magic fucking school and doesn't go super insane like Soma does when he gets to this to this point where he gets to just learn all of this shit and he's like trying like going crazy and having his own almost like food orgasm, except it's all about learning. Well, and it's fun to see Soma not in direct competition with someone while learning. Like this isn't my way or your way. This is Soma just in his element of let's see what I can pick up here. Although it does seem like like they sent Soma to Shino's to actually challenge him. I feel like they kind of sent Soma to that first one, that family restaurant, as like these guys need fucking help. And Soma's actually best suited to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was also to kind of just introduce them to the idea of the stagiaire being like, you need to think outside the box here. This is going to be a real challenging learning experience. And if you pass this, whatever it's next is going to be harder. Yeah, because the first one is designed to play to their strengths, while the second one is like, okay, time to learn now. Yeah, because someone could easily just slip in and just be like, well, I'm here to fill in. But if he doesn't have the 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 forethought to understand that when he's not there, they're going to be fucked. Well, and and the secretary girl is literally the solution to their problem. Like you needed someone with both of those skills to save this while the other, uh, the second challenge was like, you're fucked. Yeah. (laughs) What did you guys think of uh, his take on Oyakodon, the the quail egg, uh, the quail egg risotto stuffed thing? He, Actually, never that sure about might those, be like, the thing that I want to try most in this season, honestly. Now that I think about it, probably, actually. it would Because I was literally having a conversation uh, earlier today with my brother uh, about uh, uh, Oyakodon, because he was asking what the Japanese omelet was. And uh, I was like, damn, I fucking love Oyakodon. I love Kasudan. They're great. I'm never sure about the, uh, the like, here's a whole bird bones and all sat down in front of me. Something about that's always been kind of weird to me, but like, I don't know, I'm sure if you put a Cornish hen in front of me, I would devour the whole fucking thing. So fair enough. I almost feel like you would also want to deep bone that. Yeah. Mm. To an extent. Mm-hmm. Though to what extent? I don't know. I would have to try it. Let's get that's some Cornish hen and do this. Um, also, I really want to try that, uh, that that risotto that he made, the very achy one in the center of it. It's Oh, God, that sounds so fucking good. To yes. Me. So is Shino redeemed at all to you guys after this one, instead of just being like the ridiculously evil chef that we meet before? Um, oh, I, I didn't mind him even by the end of before. Yeah, I didn't mind him even by the end of before, especially the realizing that he Showing that, showing him realize that he's plateaued was a, a real good moment of like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He. It kind of took till this one for them to redeem him to me at all because like the way he was introduced was so over the top shitty that I was like, that's great, you plateaued. Stop expelling people for hair, like, yeah, uh, really over the top, but also 
having met a couple of people who have definitely come out of some higher end culinary schools, hundred percent tracks. <laughs> there's a reason I don't do fancy cooking shit. Yeah. There's a reason I don't do fancy cooking shit. There's a yeah. reason my whole family doesn't do fancy cooking shit. <laughs> I mean, there's also a reason I don't do fancy cooking shit, but it's, it's mostly that I am not that good. So yeah, also <laughs> definitely qualifies me. I enjoyed this. There's not too much to talk about. As we said, we saw, as Tyler said, we saw Soma fucking be like, I have this time to learn. Which, ah, uh, I still, I love it. Anyway. Yeah. It I, is, I do like to see him getting actually kind of introduced because I, I really didn't really realize it until this watch through and you pointed it out as that like all of these other people definitely have been in the middle school, um, uh, um, a culinary school getting foundational cooking so they would have been introduced to french cooking and like the concepts of french cuisine which is kind of in general for how most culinary schools are taught the basis of all of it like introductory wise and how like fucking high school culinary and home ec stuff is usually approached a lot of time mm-hmm. he has none of this except for it contextually taught to him by his dad so this is the first time he's been actually had the opportunity to have anyone with any real knowledge of it fill in his gaps that and like explain like, oh, what you're doing here is this. And to do it this way, you do it that way type of situation. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Is there ever a taco challenge? Fuck, they need to do a taco challenge. I don't think so. Damn uh, it. From this point on. Soma does start to specialize in kind of French-Japanese cuisine. Okay. Which I know French-Japanese fusion is a big thing, and I would bet money that the uh, chef they hired to help make sure that the show made sense was probably French-Japanese cuisine, uh, fusion cuisine. And, I mean, it's not exclusively that, because he's got, like, a big Chinese cooking thing coming up, and there's a, there's a bunch of really fun shit happening. But... The, the time in Shino's leaves a really indelible mark on him, considering that I don't have much to say about it. Mm, I get that. I find it a little weirdly boring, but I get it. Yeah. It's kind of his Goku training with King Kai moment. I, for someone that did not watch a lot of Dragon Ball Z, have a lot of DBZ references <laughs> anytime I talk about it. I mean, it is kind of a standard, so it's easy to reference. That's true. That's true. And then we jump in with him being like, I will take literally any food challenge that you have. Let's do it right fucking now. It's I am here to burn. <laughs> and cook and chew bubblegum. And I'm all out of bubblegum. But I can make some because I'm that good. I know how to fucking mill a tree. Don't think bubblegum is supposed to be that difficult to make. It's just a pain in the ass. I'm willing to do it because I'm here to learn. The fucking bubblegum challenge, that would be wild <laughs> you're right though i would love a really like taco burrito i prefer burritos to tacos but i mean either way enchilada challenge would be fucking great be yeah. fucking fantastic and it would teach me more about food that i already like to make. <laughs> yeah that that is a thing uh, an aspect that i feel like is supremely missing they, they don't have a lot of when they when they talk about western cooking they really only talk about like american cooking or italian mm-hmm. yeah and Italian, which a lot of Italian recipes are influenced by American recipes, uh, like 
reflexively at this point. As far as I know, I could be wrong on this. Um, just, uh, yeah, I, I want to see tacos. A taco challenge would be excellent. I, I think that's all I have on uh, Food Wars Season 2. It yeah. does not hurt that I can smell whatever's cooking downstairs and I'm getting increasingly distracted and hungry. No, that's fair. I actually really want to go eat some more of my risotto. Okay, so let's move on to recommendations so we can all get some food. Because we've talked about it for two hours now. Uh, hour and a half, whatever. Static Season 1. But it's a comic book, not just Static Shock Season 1 of the cartoon. Although, also watch that because it's delightful. <laughs> uh, uh, static Static Shock is he's best known because of a cartoon from when we were kids. At least when Steve and I were kids. It might be a little after your time, Tyler. Yeah, I never watched it. I remember it being on. Is he was one of the he was the breakout character from Milestone Comics, which was a black creators, black characters comic book company. They've got like one white guy hero instead of you know John Stewart's the only black person on the Justice League. And I, I hate I kind of hate to describe them as like the black comic book company because they're not just like look the characters are black. Here's why you should pay attention. They make legitimately really good comic books, but it's also really historically important that they are the first majority black comic company. So there's that like balance to play of like, but um, Static is their most famous character and they relaunched the series or uh, they relaunched the company recently because it died in the 90s crash. Mm -hmm. And they're doing their different characters season one being their like intro mini series for their various characters to to bring the world back and static was their first one because it was always kind of their flagship book it's the it's the book that everyone knows and god damn it's a good retelling of the static origin and uh, uh well updated so it's not just there are parts of the old book that sh old books that show their age because it was you know made in the 90s so um Static's powers come from a gang violence thing where a chemical is released on them. In this one, he was at a Black Lives Matter protest where the cops fired a untested suppression chemical, like gas, on the protesters, and it mutated several of them and gave them powers. And like updating from gang violence to like a Black Lives Matter protest actually does a whole lot to, I think bring the character forward in a really good way. It's good enough that I've never read anything else by Vita Ayala, but I'd heard good things about her. And I'm now tracking down other books that she read and to see which ones grab me, because she's a good enough author that I need to be paying attention to her. So yes, Static East Season 1 by Vita Ayala. And Hell a yeah. bunch of different artists, sorry. Let's see, last time I recommended Hannibal, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. So... Since I already had that out of the way, I so what I actually wanted to recommend last week, I skipped over because I got too hungry as we were talking about food, so I had to bring up Hannibal. <laughs> I actually wanted, even though I've recommended it before, because the latest season just ended, I'm going to re-recommend Barry. Oh, um, I need to watch season three. Ooh, if you haven't seen season three yet, first off, I'm going to say, oof, it's rough. <laughs> it gets dark. It's some of the most amazing fucking TV I have seen in a while. Bill Hader is a goddamn genius. And especially... I'm not traditionally a Bill Hader fan, but... Um, 
he's a gigantic cinephile. Ah. And now that he has this much control, it's allowed to show through. And he's incredible um, at all aspects of it. The show is brilliantly written. It's brilliantly directed, brilliantly acted across all things. But I especially wanted to bring it up, not just because the season ended, but because we recently did Grendel. And Barry is very much another show that does a lot of showing the outward ripples and effects of uh, aggression and manipulation in much the same way that you get through all the Grendel stories. It's just also part of a black dramedy, very dark dramedy. Very dark. Uh, I love Barry. I, I'm going to watch. I'm, I'm, thank you for reminding me that season three is out. I was reading some kind of listicle that was like, shows to watch if you liked Ted Lasso. And I saw Barry on there and I'm like, I haven't watched that. But that does seem like a weird recommendation. <laughs> that, way, way different vibes on those. <laughs> Definitely should watch it if you like Ted Lasso, but not because you like yeah, Ted Lasso. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Um, and then I don't know if I've recommended my recommends before, but uh, I have three that I want to throw out real quickly. Um, Tom Popo is a Japanese movie um, that very much uh, uh, has a lot of similar similar vibes to uh, Food Wars. Uh, very, very highly sexually charged, very highly food-focused um, Japanese. Um, What's the name again? Tom Popo. Okay. And, oh, I've, I'm going to look up the name of the director real quick because they did a bunch of other good stuff. Uh, Juzo Itamai. God, yeah. I love Montague's trying to pronounce Japanese names. But yeah, it's great. And then the other recommendation, I have, other two recommendations I have is uh, Chef, which is another food-related movie uh, with John Favreau. Fantastic um, uh, cinematography of some really incredible sequences of food being made. Great that soundtrack. That might have been a recommendation last week. It may have been. I can't remember. And so I'm, if it is, I'm sorry. But if it's that not, just means you really um, cover like it. basis. Uh, and then my last, uh, my last recommendation is just grilled pineapple. Just grilled pineapples. <laughs> okay. Nice. Grill, grill some pineapple. It's great. I will remember that for the barbecue I'm having later this week. Because uh, you're right. It is fucking bomb. Um, uh, I just uh, looked up that Juzo Itami. And he also did the Lady Snowblood sequel. So dude's okay in my books. Thank you. That was what I was trying to remember and could not remember. And uh, yes, he's great. Um, and Tom Popo is... Whew, weird uh so strap in uh before you watch it but uh highly recommend it it's fucking cool and great and uh interesting perfect great um next time we will be inspired entirely by the fact that i talked about ninja turtles for like 20 minutes talking about the ninja turtles we will specifically be playing the new tmnt game what you, you told me what it is i've even watched chris white and i don't remember uh, shredder's, shredder's revenge, revenge. We will be playing the side-scrolling Punch-Em-Up Shredder's Revenge, and we will be reading the first IDW Collected Edition, which is the first, like, 15 issues of uh, the Tom Waltz run from IDW, which was one of the things I was talking about. So it's great. We are playing to our various strengths. But that's next time. In the meantime, we're your Generals of Nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Dismissed. Hard to do that one on Zoom.
Hi everybody, General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, email us generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.